Welcome, welcome, welcome back to episode 16 of the Creative Process Podcast with myself, Jared Klein. Um, obviously, if you're reviewing this on YouTube, you can see our guest today, um, Sam. We will get into Sam momentarily, but first, like usual, I just want to reach out and say thank you to the people listening. Um, it's awesome. I never thought of, you know, even people taking time out of their day to, you know, listen to what I got to say and what the guests that um, we have on has to say, but it's, it's awesome to see that people are listening, um, taking stuff from our podcast and, um, you know, either learning from it or just, you know, listening, listening to it for fun. It's awesome. I really appreciate that you guys come out and take your time to listen to what we got to say. But anyways, let's get into episode 16 here. Um, Sam, how are you doing today? Thank you for being on the podcast. I'm good. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Awesome. So I guess for the people that don't know you, let's just get into, you know, who you are. Kind of give yourself, give an intro for yourself. You can go as shallow or as deep as you want. Um, sure. Um, so my name is Sam Silverman. Um, I own my own company. Uh, it is a, I guess you could call it a design slash creative studio. Um, I do anything from art and creative direction to motion graphics, illustration, brand identity. Um, so really anything within the graphic design wheelhouse. Um, and recently this year launched a company with some colleagues called Zero G, um, a collective of graphic designers um, who happen to have some sports design background, but you know we're taking on projects that might not necessarily fall within the sports realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been going great. It's awesome to collaborate with, you know, people that I've, you know, really always wanted to work with, honestly. Um, so that's been going really well. Um, you know, I, I guess starting with my career, I start off at OSU. Um, I went to school at Ohio State, studied product design wanted to design sneakers. Um, as you can tell behind me, I have a little thing for sneakers. Um, that was my goal, but got an opportunity with OSU when Urban Meyer was hired and kind of never looked back. Um, just something clicked doing graphic design and brand identity and doing just more research, um, with that design discipline, which was a little different than industrial design, which is, you know, what I was studying in school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, got opportunity there, juggled working there, um, worked at a pizza shop at the same time, worked doing, uh, running a startup company with some colleagues of mine, some friends doing uh, product development, Kickstarters, launching products into the market, um, something way different than sports. And it gave me a lot of great business background um, that mm-hmm. definitely helped set set me up for where I am today, you know, being independent, running my own business. Um, so, you know, fast forward, got full-time opportunity with OSU, um, was running the show there with, with Zach Swartz, who is the other creative director um, for Ohio State football. Uh, had the most surreal experience because I am an alumni, I'm a diehard OSU fan. So working and helping recruiting uh, for my favorite team is an experience that I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it's just the people that, that were there. It's just, it was all around a great time. Uh, 
but you know, it, it, it wasn't something I thought was, you know, going to be the only thing I do in my career. I, I always thought about starting my own company. Um, and, you know, I want to take the leap and thought the timing was right. And now I'm in year, I think it was year three or no finishing up, going into year three, mm-hmm. um, full time. And it's just, I don't know, it's, it's been a creative awakening as well. Just like you said, you know, we talked about just a little bit before we went live, just about networking with people and, um, you know, the, the vast amount of people that I've networked with and gotten to know and, and just connect with, um, from a freelance standpoint, all the different brands and people that work within those brands has been just unmatched. Um, so yeah, that's a little back, bit of background about myself. Um, recently launched a lifestyle slash clothing apparel collectibles brand, I guess you could say called diehards. Mm-hmm. Um, something I always wanted to do was figure out kind of like a white label brand that I could house things under that wasn't necessarily my name. Um, but just something like really fun that I could do on the side and advertise and, uh, just put some like fresh spins, twists on, you know, really anything that someone might be a diehard of. So my first collection was inspired by Ohio State and Nike and Jordan, the three things I'm a diehard of. Mm. Um, I would love to expand it. Um, anyone listening, if you're a diehard, definitely looking to expand and, you know, get into other markets, have other designers, artists contribute um, and profit off of their work. Um, for whatever they're a diehard of, it doesn't need to be sports. It could be anything. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, that's, I guess, kind of being a nutshell right now mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. I wanted to, um, kind of get, it's, it's cool that you went into what diehards was. Cause I was very interested in that. Um, cause when I, I, I follow it, um, or I don't follow, I was suggested it when I was like, what are like, I tweeted out one day, I was like, what are some like kind of you know off the wall clothing brands that are like really cool that you know you would recommend and i think i think i want to say it was brad brad lefeld um he put your um your website and i was like okay and i looked on there and i following you for a little bit you're big into osu um and everything i saw the osu collection i was like oh maybe this is just for osu but now getting more of the, the background and what it actually is. I mean, the name, obviously I could just think a little bit harder in all honesty, I would have figured it out. Um, but yeah, that's a really cool concept for it. Um, I guess, are you, I guess it seems like just you're, you're a businessman at, at heart. That's what, that's what it kind of seems like. Cause you're running, you opened up your own, um, your own, I guess, freelance business, um, for design. You were running businesses in the, in the, um, in the uh, uh, past before you decided to do this. Um, and now like you're kind of having that side, that side, I guess, side hustle, if you want to label it as that for diehards. And um, I guess where, where do you see, um, I, I guess I'm kind of wording the question a little bit, a little bit um, confusingly, but where is the, um, is the integration of business and, I guess like interest really easy for you or was it a tough thing to kind of attribute um, when you decided you wanted to go independent? Um, you know, I, I really, it, it's funny cause um, I was like joking with my wife um, that in the past three years I launched three businesses and I wasn't even like thinking about that between <laughs> my own. 
the collective zero G and then this diehards operation. Um, I don't even consider myself like a business person or a businessman or someone that, that, you know, that's what I am at my core. Like I'm definitely a creator. Like I love making, creating things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wouldn't say business, but, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's a very, for me, it is challenging. It was really uncomfortable, um, at the startup when I was working at, at OSU at the same time. Um, it was hard for me to adjust to kind of like wearing that hat. Cause I was always used to just creating, like not thinking about other areas of an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think that really helped a lot with growing pains was getting, you know, all that, uh, under my belt early on dealing with contracts, dealing with clients, deadlines, all that stuff, you know, it, it, it's no different than really working in house. It's just that you're really, you're responsible for the, the workload and also, you know, the business side of things and making sure that you have projects in the pipeline, making sure that cash flow is, you know, green and you, know, you have things coming in and it's not just at a halt. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just like, there's a lot of different barriers, you know, keeping your own books, doing your taxes. Um, it, it's, it's a lot of different hats when you're running your own show, but I will say having the experience of running it with some other people who knew what they were doing, um, and, and just getting a lot of the, like I said, growing pains and, and barriers out of the way, um, really helped mm-hmm. to make this dive, you know, I mean, we're talking like seven years later. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I think like. I know for a fact a lot of the people that listen to this, um, whether they do freelance now or it's their end goal, um, freelance is a big topic for for them. Um, freelance mm-hmm. is a big topic in general for graphic designers, whether whether okay. you know whether you're in the sports industry or not. Um, I think honestly, in my opinion, in freelance, it's like the um, it's like the oasis for designers. If you can live off of freelance and like have that time freedom, I feel like that's the oasis. But getting there is always the super hard part. And like, was it, I I guess when you decided to, I'm not going to like, when you decided to go independent, I'm not going to ask if you had like any worries because obviously there's worries in there. You're going independent. You're like, okay, Mm -hmm. (laughs) could I have a consistent cash flow or, you know, risk it and go independent and see, but like how, how much prep going into, you know, you making the call to go independent was there like, since you had to kind of, you know, either find clients or base your clientele off of the people you worked for, um, previous. So I guess like you freelancers live and die by clients. So I guess what was that prep like going into this, going into the decision? Yeah. Um, I, 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 like I said, you know, having that experience while I was like working at OSU and that start at the same time, I think, you know, helped with that. Um, hmm. uh, you know, so that was like a lot of the prep work, right? So yeah, after, after doing that, I was freelancing a lot on the side while I was working for OSU, um, to start off, not as much when I was like full time and then, um, creative director, just cause the, the time wasn't there, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was an intern for like two years. Um, so there was definitely some time where I can take on some freelance work and I had to, I, I literally had to, to pay the bills. Um, so I sprinkled the seeds. It was kind of a, a slow play, a slow burn where, um, when I went independent, I had some long standing clients already that I, you know, let them know the situation, 
and that I would be available to take on more work and they had a lot more work to give me. Um, so it is about really, you know, fostering relationships, right? And just, you know, when it's freelancing, you, you say, you know, freelancers live and die by the client, which for the most part is true. I mean, it's unless you are, you know, building your own kind of personal brand and it is going viral and you have a, a, an insane cult following and you can create passive income too, mm-hmm. um, then you don't have to live and die by the client. And that's, that is the oasis <laughs> is a passive income where you're sleeping and you're making money. Like when I sleep and I sell like a t-shirt on diehards, I made like six bucks when I sleep. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Six bucks I didn't have before. Um, and I didn't have to do anything. Um, so, you know, I had to do stuff on the back end, but that already paid itself off. Mm-hmm. But, um, so, you know, it, it, there's, there was a lot of prep over the years of just thinking like, okay, I think at some point I want to make the leap and yeah, it's scary as shit. I mean, you're in charge of everything. You, I would have freak outs for sure. Looking back, doing the calculations, like, okay, I made this much, um, per month at OSU. I need to match that on my own. I need to figure out how I can bring in that same um just so i can at least like have the same quality of life or it doesn't feel like financially it skipped a beat mm-hmm. um and luckily for me like it has been very successful um and i can never imagine working in-house for another i it just and i will say this like we talk about this being an oasis Anyone can freelance, anyone can go independent, anyone can be successful at it. Um, takes a lot of work, but it's also not for everyone. And, um, you know, people will realize that once they do it. I'm not saying everyone will make that decision, um, but there are some people who might go off and realize it just might not be for them because, you know, it's just a lot to deal with with the business and cash flow. And, just it's a lot it can be a very stressful at times it's you know anyone you talk about freelancing it's a roller coaster lots of ups and downs ebbs and flows um you know you might have your dry spell you might have you know your lottery months it's it's you know some month you might like quadruple or 10 times the month before um in terms of income and the next month it might not be like that it might be half of it Mm -hmm. um but it's all on you you know it's it's making sure that you are projecting your workload, making sure that clients understand those timelines, making sure that future clients understand those timelines and that you're not like come the next month and you're like, oh shit, like I don't have any work to do. Um, you know, and there's a lot of different ways in the freelance world about that clients on retainer, um, like I said, passive income. So there's a lot of different ways to, you know, have different avenues of income. Um, but again, it's all a hustle, like diehards thing. I just want to be something for fun right now on the side, like if I really wanted to be my livelihood, like I would be posting every day, I'd be doing paid marketing campaigns, I'd be making content every day for it. But like, that's not what I want to be right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm just speaking, if someone did want to go freelance and start their own thing, like it's a lot of a lot of um, work marketing yourself um, as well, making sure that people know what you're capable of doing. Mm. Um, I think that's super important, you know, people talk about whether or not like, I don't know, there's like a stigma about like posting your work and coming off maybe braggadocious or arrogant or boastful. 
Um, but you know, I mean, I think really as long as you you're not like saying like I, this, I'm the greatest. Like <laughs> bow down, bow down to my graphic um, or my logo. Uh, you know, it's just a sort of it's it's one. Everyone's vulnerable when they post their work. They're they're putting a piece of themselves out there. You hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it takes courage to do that. And you know, no one's gonna be you know the hype man for you you gotta be your own hype man so Mm -hmm. it's definitely important to to post work and just you know keep your your self relevant out there you know Mm -hmm. so talking more sorry i just bumped the crap out of my my mic arm here um but (laughs) you're good talking more along the lines of of freelance and um now even going you're talking about posting personal work where Mm -hmm. um how does that balance look or how did that balance look when you started and how like have you kind of either adjusted it or kept the same um like basically in layman's terms just creating for yourself you know as well as creating for clients um how does that look for you um yeah uh you know i think this is something that's super important um you know especially when we talk about like creative block uh, I think, it, you know, and a lot of times, like the answer isn't to create, it's just completely step away. And that's when I'll go play video games or something, go like rip someone's head off of Mortal Kombat, where I'm just completely focusing on, <laughs> you know, that combo. Yeah. Uh, and completely disconnect. But um, hold on one second. Sorry, my throat's dry. No worries. No worries at all. Um, but yeah, I think it's really important to create for yourself because you don't, it's you, like you shouldn't create much pressure when you're really like the only audience. Um, but it also, it, it takes a lot of initiative to create your own brief, whether or not you want to be some sort of project or series, uh, something you might want to, uh, you know, sell, mm-hmm. make purchasable. Um, but What I was going to say is um, I started doing a, a lot of these illustrations and it's funny because I was thinking like, man, I just I just want people to hire me to like make posters, you know, all I want to do is is, is draw all day <laughs> uh, and just make posters, make like cool artwork, engaging artwork that, you know, has some splash of graphic design, I guess, um, and just like really make some compelling, like interesting stuff um like i love movie posters i love trading cards i love just you know these still images that capture a lot and then you know make you feel a certain way um so i I was doing a lot of these and then i got i I got hit up to like by the nfl to do a illustration of jim brown um which is awesome because i'm a cleveland browns fan uh so do an illustration of jim brown and for their like hallway which um is up in their new headquarters and on the west coast next to uh i think the chargers slash rams stadium oh, um, but it's cool. like this like nine it's like this 900 foot hallway it's completely done like i have photos and i think they're posting like a video soon um but like they hired they commissioned a bunch of artists around the world and i don't know how i got involved but somehow <laughs> i was picked um got to do like the the most legendary Cleveland Brown of all time um, in like my certain style with the crown on his head. It was like pretty surreal. Um, probably the coolest project I've ever done. Uh, and then they put our names on the wall and from there it like snowballed into other things where um, 
the Arizona Cardinals hit me up and that was actually through a connection of a former coworker and uh, a friend of mine, Kyle Daroni works there now. Um, he hooked it up, did some posters for them. Then my friend who works at the Kansas City Chiefs, Jordan Geisler, who we always like <laughs> talk about working together and he saw it and he was like, oh, like, let's do it, let's do this. So now I am like finally getting paid to do like what I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. And that's just making game, making game posters all day long. So anyone who's listening, and has some game posters that they're looking to just shell out. I got you. <laughs> the biggest thing, like when it comes to like, I think it's the enjoyment of the craft. Um, like, yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, like, yes, you can be busy. Yes. You can, you know, have other things, but like for me, if, if I really enjoyed, you know, if I really enjoy graphic design, like you make time to design for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I found myself like kind of, being a robot almost like when I was in school and then, you know, doing freelance work. And I really was like, okay, now I got designed for school. This is all, you know, rubric and syllabus based. And then moving over to freelance, it's like, okay, this is all brief based and everything. Like I was kind of like getting in a rut. It's like, you know, is this, I was second guessing things and I'm like, no, like this is what I want to do for a career. I love doing this. I love creating. I love, you know, having an outlet like a disconnect from you know like whether it's like similar to your video game example like that's how i view designing that's how i still view designing most of the time it's like this is what i enjoy to do so i was like okay i gotta find a way to start designing for myself or else i'm gonna get burnt out and i'm gonna hate myself for it so it was like a it was like a big like almost aha moment and i was like i gotta do this like if i don't do this it's something that i'm gonna regret so i think I, I do agree with you. I think designing for yourself is something that every designer needs to do because they have to express their self, you know, organically and as unbound as possible um, in, you know, obviously the context of the canvas or whatever you're using. But, um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's something that's super important. I had a conversation. Um, I'm doing a hundred day design challenge right now. Um, and I had a oh, conversation yeah with thank you i had a conversation with one of the people that was in um the stream because every occasionally i stream them live and he was talking about you know like continuing to design and he's like i've been designing for eight years and and i haven't had a freelance client and i was like you know if if that's all you're viewing graphic design as like if you're just viewing if you're just viewing the the career or the you know the you know the experience of graphic design as a, as a dollar sign, you're not, you're never going to enjoy it. You know, it, right. like, if you don't right. just create to create or create to enjoy what you're making, you know, you're, it's just not going to be something you're going to end up doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, you know, I talk about cash flow a lot and income when I'm talking about freelancing is it becomes your livelihood and it's just, it's a lot more pressure when you're responsible for it. Um, and you don't have that stable paycheck mm-hmm. coming in mm-hmm. every single time. Like, um, like if you get sick, you know, I mean, there, there's ways to like mitigate that, but like you get sick freelancing and like, you know, and that's where people can get burnt out freelancing too, where they think time is money. And I was the same way where it's like, there's all this time in the day. And like, anytime that you're not working, you're not making money. Um, but you know, I, I, I agree. Money isn't everything. Um, and you know i wake up really excited to do a lot of these projects like i said i love to draw so it just is an added bonus that i'm getting paid to do that 
to do something that I already love that I grew up loving to do. Because mm-hmm. um, that's how I first got into art and design in general is I grew up just loving to draw. Um, mm-hmm. Grew up loving collecting trading cards and now I have a more a, a different appreciation for you know collectibles and stuff like that and from an art standpoint. Um, and you know the, uh, to answer the other part of your question in terms of creating for yourself, you know creating for the client, it can be it's a tricky it's a it's a it's a balance you know mm-hmm. it's a delicate dance because uh, it can be a lot of egos it can be you know you're getting hired for your expertise and you want to express your opinion and it's valuable and you know what you're getting paid to do to defend your work or not like necessarily defend your work but just like uh, explain why you're creating these certain things for them um, and they can feel just as much like a boss because um, ultimately clients have the final say mm-hmm. um, and there's times where you will just disagree and, and maybe that piece just isn't uh, a portfolio piece for you but something that paid your electricity bill so <laughs> sometimes you just got to pick and choose your battles there so um, but you know it, it's it, that's why I, I was expressing it's important to create for yourself because clients it, it could easily feel like you're in-house working for them um, but you know it it it's important to also strike boundaries. And that's what's great about being a freelancer is I'm a business. Um, I'm not gonna answer the phone past 5 p.m. if you've called me, I'm not gonna email you back if you're, I, I make those boundaries clear that, you know, I have office hours of like nine to five um, and then I unplug after that. Will I have late nights? Will I like, if there's scheduled things, like can, can that, you know, boundary be broken? Sure. Um, -hmm. I'm very flexible, but it's very important to keep those boundaries, um, because you can get burnt out, uh, and abused for sure as a freelancer, just as you were as, as an in-house answering to, to your boss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. Um, go a little bit deeper into like the business side of everything. Um, if you like established, you know, like if, if you truly treated it like, okay, I have these hours, this is where I sit down. And then after that, it's like, I'm done with it, you know? Um, cause I've talked to some people that freelance and they're like, they're like, it totally, either it totally depends on the day. Um, or, you know, whenever they want to get on, they get on granted. That's probably open to, you know, flexibility with their clients as well. It's probably different for everyone, but, um, I guess even though it is like your craft, what kind of measures did you take personally to treat it like a business? Like other other than um, like other than like filing for it and everything like that, <laughs> you know, like the paperwork yeah yeah side making it. it legal and, <laughs> yeah. and official, so I'm protected. Yeah, of course, definitely you got to do that first and foremost. Get that LLC filed. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of legitimate, I mean, I guess in terms of legitimizing, uh, like being freelance less independent, it would be a couple of items to check off, like other than. LLC, making sure you have a domain name um, that that's searchable, making sure you have a website that people can go to and not just, I mean, I used to be like team, I'll just show you my Instagram, but like, it's not as accessible to everyone. Like some people aren't going to have that app on their phone. Like when you're dealing with agents, like just, it just depends who, but a website will always work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so easy. Like, I don't know how to build websites, but I, this year, like made a point, was talking with, um, I think last year I was talking with, with uh, Brandon Moore because he built a website. I was like, I like the way that le- that looks. So he 
show me a couple of things. And it's really like pretty easy. A lot of it's just drag and drop, especially if you're a graphic designer, you're just kind of like filling images um, and you have a lot of control over that. Um, but anyway, so setting up a website is very helpful. Um, and yeah, I mean, establishing, you know, when you're working, but yeah, every day is different. Like, I don't like this. I, I like to try and do like maybe nine to four where like from where I'll like do work. Um, and that can be a lot of different things. That can be emails, that can be creative work. Um, so it can look a lot of different, like a lot of different ways. Um, let's see what else. Um, understanding rates, uh, that is a huge piece of the puzzle. Um, understanding that, you know, what, what are you worth? What is your work worth? What is, what are your ideas worth? Um, that is a very tricky question. Um, there's a lot of resources to just use as like benchmarks. Like there's books that show average graphic design rates. Um, one really good book is called Freelance and Business and Such or and Stuff um, by the Hudspah sisters, um, Hudspah Design. Um, really short read and really like great intro to freelance. Kind of covers everything from like taxes mm -hmm. to like advertising your work and whatnot. Um, but setting your rates, it's a very, to that, I mean, it's like forever in flux too. Like every year you want to reevaluate, like you look at your projects and every time I always reevaluate after a project is done, I always look at like, you know, was, did I, did I feel like I overcharged? I feel like I undercharged or was it like the right balance? Like that I feel like I did too much work for not enough um, income. So it's just a constant, you know, battle uh, of, what is my worth like and sticking to it and a lot of people who freelance will struggle with that because they will struggle to like stick to their guns um and it, it is like sometimes i might send off a proposal i'm like did i come off too greedy like did mm. i like make myself come off like an asshole where i'm asking for all this money but like you explain in the proposal like what the client is getting in terms of value um and even as a collective like zero g with all of us who've been doing it for a while it's still a battle. Um, it's, it, it's just like, what is the price tag? Like, what is our collective time worth? Um, and that's like a whole nother wrinkle. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that that in terms of like legitimizing business, um, from a freelance end, those are kind of the first steps. LLC, uh, make sure you have a website so people can see what you are capable of, what mm -hmm. you can do. Um, you know, obviously like post work and stuff like that, but definitely figure out rates too. Mm -hmm. Rates are just, it, I can't tell you how, how long it takes you to figure out. Um, and for a variety of different services, like your rates different for motion graphics than production work of just like some social media wallpapers versus illustration work, which, are, which is a little bit more um, specialized. So it's just, it's, there's so many different situations um and it's just always good to talk to people i remember hitting up brian gandale early on um to get a better idea of like pricing and whatnot and mm -hmm. um he opened up my eyes to to just different ways of looking at things just comparing similar projects and, and prices and you know that's something that you definitely want to spend time because that's going to set you up um to have a successful freelance independent career I feel like pricing is always the age old question, you know, like what, like, 
I you said it perfectly. You're like you, when you sent out that email, you're like, damn, did I sound too greedy? But then, you know, I feel like I feel like in a sense, you got just got to say, you almost got to say fuck it and be like, look, like this is my livelihood. This is what I think I'm work I'm worth. And you know, if the client doesn't think so, you know, there's another client that does. You know, I feel like that's what I tell everyone. Um, because now I have the experience like I was the same way and now I stick to my guns I'm like this is my rate like I'm not messing around anymore like this is my livelihood um <laughs> I like to think that I'm like decent at what I do so I can command the rates um that I have the, like the credibility and the backing I guess you could say mm-hmm. uh and yeah if one client closes the door there is usually another one that will open it and you'd be surprised uh you know who could open that door so to kind of um, we, we went through mainly everything we, we wanted to talk about. We talked about a lot of a lot of things related to, um, you know, the transition from being um, from being in-house to being freelance and everything like that. And the business side, which is awesome because we haven't really had much content on the podcast about about the business side of that. Um, we went over it a little bit with Brandon, but um, we didn't really go as deep as we are now. Um, but I just kind of want to get off topic of design because I've been looking at those sneakers behind you this whole time. <laughs> are those all the pairs or do you have some stocked up? Like how many pairs do you got behind you? Um, so it's that three across and 12 down. So that's 36 pairs right there. Um, to the left of me, I have like other cubbies. I think there's 24 there. Um, so was that 70 in here? There's some on the floor, um, some in the closet, and then some in the basement. So it's around like it's over 100. Um, but the ones in there are in are in the boxes for a reason. They made the cut. Say, yeah, I was gonna say they're probably pristine. No, no cracks. Oh dead, no, I dead, wear my sneakers. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm you not don't keep dead them dead stock. stock? No way. I'm team wearing sneakers um because i'm not trying to flip them so like why would i care if they yeah you know i i want some off-whites um and uh it's like my only sneakers hit some off-white jordans and uh i wore them out got them dirty i don't care mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I i like that i like that a lot like i used to be big into sneakers but then i realized like I don't make enough to buy some of the sneakers, some of the sneakers that I want. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, an expense. It can be an expensive hobby for yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, I was, I was, I guess I can, I can put myself in the team where, where your sneakers. Cause I, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's almost like a piece of history. Like, especially like Jordans and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, like just so many different models are so iconic, you know, why not, you know, yeah, you got to use oh, the shoe just, for its purpose. It, like, Right. I mean, shoes are there to protect your feet when you walk. And then Mm -hmm. some happen to be, you know, more of a statement or artistic piece. Um, That's why I love sneakers. I I remember one of my favorite uh, shows is Entourage on HBO. And uh, there's an episode where, like, the main character is buying his friend these, like, custom Air Forces called Fukijamas. And they're, like, they paid, like, 10 grand or, like, 20 grand for some sneakers. And he was, like, justifying it to the other friend. He's, like, what? Like, you paid all that for sneakers? Like, it's wearable art. And I'm, like, yeah, you know, it is. And Mm. I don't know. I like like adding character. I mean, I'll clean. Like, I'm not going to, like, 
get them all muddy and never clean them but <laughs> you know creases creases happen that's it it's part of part of the wear it's part of wearing sneakers yeah well i mean yeah. honestly this has been awesome having you on my man um I've been following you for a little bit. And then when, when Danny gave the recommendation, I was like, shit, might as well reach out and ask. That was like the same, same scenario with, with Brad and Brandon as well. Like at first I was skeptical, but now I'm like, you know, fuck it. Send out a message. If they don't want to be on, they don't want to be on. But, um, it's, it's awesome having, having you on. It was really awesome having you on again, talked about some information that hasn't really been talked yet, talked about yet on this. And, you know, for all the designers listening, it's really valuable, uh, re- valuable information, especially if they want to go into freelance and go all in into freelance, um, as well as, you know, potentially try some, you know, side hustles on, on top of that as well. Um, but yeah, it's been awesome. I really appreciate, um, you taking the time out of your day, um, to come on and, you know, do this with me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I guess this has been episode 16 of the Creative Process Podcast with myself, Jared Klein. Um, all of Sam's links will be down below, so make sure to go connect with Sam. Um, his website and his Twitter will be down there for sure, and then obviously you can find diehards through all that, um, through all those links and stuff like that. So, um, oh, yeah, and- support diehards. <laughs> Shameless plug. I can put I can put the website down there if you want me to. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. So diehards. Three times. Yeah. Yeah. Diehards. His personal Twitter and his website is all down there in the in the description of the podcast. Wherever you are listening, um, go connect with the man, support the man, um, do what you need to do. Um, but anyways, guys, episode sixteen. Appreciate you guys listening. Have a good rest of your day, and make sure you tell someone that you love them. All right. Peace. Take it easy.